Welcome to Old Man Blurred. Hi, I'm John, and along with my friend Terrence, we make up a pair of lifelong geeks who happen to be black, over 50, but are certainly nerds first and foremost. The Alpha Geek and the Omega Freak. And we welcome everyone. And by everyone, we mean nerds, blurds, and bleaks, cosplayers and role players, geeks and freaks, Marvel zombies and distinguished competitors, Trekkies, Star Warriors, Bat Maniacs, and Spider fans, Warhams, Whovians, AFALs, adult fans of Legos, Tolkienites, Weeaboos, Supernatural Hunters, and Otakus, Ava Geeks, Bro Stars, and Sis Stars, Pokemon Trainers, Potterheads, Bronies, Whovians, Browncoats, and Scoobies, and all nerd properties in between. Because we are over 50, we've seen a thing or two and have experience, long experience, with a lot of these properties. So thank you for listening to Old Man Blurred. All right, welcome to Old Man Blurred. So, uh, this is a, a podcast for two slightly more mature <laughs> black experienced black nerds 50 plus age years of age each uh certainly been in the game of nerd stuff for 40 plus years i would say but uh, so we have a hundred years of experience between the two of us Justin. yes certainly 80 <laughs> certainly <laughs> 80 i think 40 i got 40 for sure i think i started collecting comics when i was 11 and I started reading sci-fi right around the same time and playing D D around 12, 13. So yeah, that checks out. That checks out. So speaking of all things blurred, what blurred thing are you up to this week? Still working on my uh, video game convention. Oh, how's that going? Uh, paid on the website this week. And nice. I saw an Ireland uh, travel commercial and actually had the word in it because I got it from a dictionary because I signed it to the dictionary email. But... Nice. And it's called, they mentioned it in, you know, Ireland, come here and practice crack, which is the <laughs> name of the convention because crack is, you know, like it's having like, fun. Yeah, having fun at party. It's like, it's, it's, I think it's spelled C R A I C. Yes. And it means having fun. Which you would have personal by yourself, you share with others. Yeah, yeah, you're having a yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, I, that is one place I really, really want to go to. There's not very many places in Europe that I have any kind of motivation to go to, but uh, England, specifically Ireland, um, and uh, France. I think that's about it. I mean, I'd go to other places, of course. I don't have any bias, but I definitely I would want to see a a football match in England. I'd want to go and do a nice tour of Ireland. I'm 2% Irish. I tell people that it's kind of funny. <laughs> There's 2% Irish DNA in me. Um, hey, but that, that two counts, that two counts, man. That two, that two counts. It's arguably 2%. Like I say, my ongoing joke, 2% more than most Americans who celebrate St. Patrick's day. Um, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yes, that is a that is a place I would go. 
Um, nerd wise, what geek wise, blurred wise, uh, I did get to uh, One Piece anime's uh, thousandth episode, so I've only I, I I went past it, but yeah, I, I at this point, yeah, I've seen One Piece more than any other anime and more by several times over and uh it's great i've been enjoying this arc it's the wano arc it's very japanese themed uh which other arcs were not there were some that were sort of spanish themed and all of that or sci-fi themed which is a future one that's coming egghead island but yeah, I got to a thousand. So, and it was a really great episode. The thousand, they did something special and sort of showcased all of the characters and, and they said, thank you, which how often do you have a property say, oh, thank you fans, you know? A lot when they know they're going to be canceled or they're ending their story. Sure, but you know, but this, he's got a ways. I think this is, he's in the last arc. Uh, Oda, the writer of an artist of of One Piece, um, he's in the last arc in the manga. I'd, it's probably still going to be two years away, but uh, yeah, it was just like thank you. And you know, I mean, how often do people sort of express that? I think that's I think that's great. And you know, being responsive to the fans because the fans are what's keeping you around. You know, because not everybody likes anime. Not everybody likes comic books not everybody likes fantasy not everybody likes sci-fi so you should really try hard to hold on to your fandom um you don't want to necessarily you know kowtow to them and 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 do whatever they say you know some guy and right. some guy on his uh computer saying i don't like this um you know i, I don't well, think you need to listen to those service. guys you know, <laughs> what fan service Sure. And then there's fan catering. People don't understand the difference. You know, sure. fan service is like you see a character that you wouldn't normally see. Like I told you about the game I played a couple months ago called DC Legends. Mm -hmm. They had a whole bunch of obscure DC characters. That was fan service. Sure. Service to the fans. Right. Fan catering would be more of, well, I just don't like this character, so they need to die. And uh, before yeah. then, it was playing, the character was going to live for a long time. Sure. Sure. Right. Um, retire out of the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think yeah, there's a difference between fan fan service in anime has a different connotation slightly. It's like, oh, I'm gonna see someone a panty shot. <laughs> That's unfortunately what fan service tends to mean in anime. Um, but I think this was fan service in the positive way, the thousandth episode of One Piece, because they just gave they showed sort of a it was almost like a clip show, even though there was they were still progressing the story. And they had some clips of like, oh, this was a really emotional moment for you know, one character, this was a really emotional scene from another character, you know? Um, and I thought that was great because, and then they, like I said, saying thanks at the end, just to type typewritten thanks. I was like, oh yeah. Cause it gets you in the feels anyway. Cause you're seeing all, almost like a clip show of all these great moments that all of these characters you fall in love with. And then the thank you, it was like, oh, you appreciate your fandom. And that's, I think, really important. And I think Oda, as, a, as an, a creator, really does appreciate his fandom. That's why he's really has his hands on the live action um, and making sure that it, it adheres to the manga and to the anime. 
but that's the one nerdy thing that I'm up to. I'm still starting to get through Rogue Trader, the Warhammer um, game. So that's yep. that's the next thing that I've been doing, and still trying to make it my way through Baldur's Gate, which has been a phenomenal game, and doing the DLC for Pokemon. The the Indigo Disc, I think, is what it's called. I don't know why that mm -hmm. name. It, it and it's been good. You know, you get to see your starters, you know, and start schlepping all of your starters from previous games from Pokemon Home to the new game, so you can just you know <laughs> actually wipe up the floor with different trainers. Um, so yeah, I've I've actually had quite a few nerdy things of late. Um. But I don't have any news at this moment, so I think we could probably head into the topic. This, the topic that we were wanting to discuss today is the different ages in comic books and how the anti-hero sort of has become virtually the only expression of the hero in or the dominant expression of heroism heroism in uh in comic books right now and i don't know what i think about that i think that's i think that's what we're opening it up today um for those of you that are less familiar with comic books there's the different ages break down roughly into from the golden age the Silver Age, uh, the Bronze Age, and the Modern Age, I believe. Is that your understanding as well, Terrence? Yeah, the only one before that is the Platinum Age, and that's uh, the 1800s. Oh, yes. So they have, uh, this is just online, they mentioned that the Golden Age is from 1938 to 1956, Silver Age is from 1956 to 1970, Bronze Age is 1970-1985. There are people that call the age after that the Iron Age, which this is the first time I've heard of this, from 1985 to 2000. And then they have the Modern Age, which is 2000 to present. Um, I think I'd agree with that, but I'd never heard of it, the Iron Age. I kind of no, thought I it was... Either. Not until you just said it. Yeah, I think that there's a there's been the Bronze Age, uh, and then typically they just go to the Modern Age, but um, I think that's interesting because I th what they're looking at, at when I look at this date line for the Iron Age, it's 1985 to 2000, and you know what happened in 1985? That's when you got the Watchmen. That's when you got Dark Knight Returns. So this is the way this particular online. Uh, sort of discussion of the Iron Age mentions it. They uh, des describe it. They say the fourth era of comic books marked by deconstruction and experimentation of the superhero genre. And uh, that sort of checks out because, you know, the... Uh, yeah, but then I go to the Nerd Horde uh, site. They have it go Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, Modern Age. Um, so. Um, and then they also talk about the Platinum Age, which is pre-1935, Copper Age instead of the Iron Age, and they say 1985-2000, and then the Plastic Age, <laughs> which is, they say, 2000 to now. Uh, so there's going to be 
probably as many sites as I could go to, there there's going to be people that are going to have some sort of different breakdown. But the Golden Age, Silver Age, and Bronze Age, there's all plenty of agreement there. Now, whether you want to call it the Iron Age or the Copper Age or the Modern Age, it, you know, that's kind of some part of the heart of what we're discussing because there was this period when the notion of heroism of comic book heroism changed um and that's you did get things like uh watchmen which is a deconstruction and you got the dark knight returns by frank miller and you know you started getting the vertigo stuff i think around that time period as well so um, the issue that we're kind of playing around with during this discussion is just when there was the creation of the anti-hero, um, how that has been a sort of dominant force in comic book writing since its creation. And so now well, that's where we're at. <laughs> First of all, the anti-hero in the way has been around since the beginning. Sure. Because, I mean, I mean, Popeye is considered the first true superhero because he is an ordinary man until he's Spanish, like a power ring. Sure. He, he's, he's sort of one of the earliest magical girls. <laughs> exactly. And then you have Zorro. Sure. Again, he, you know, he, he goes entirely out of his social caste system to do the right thing. So in a way, he's an anti-hero against his caste system. Sure. And then you have Superman. As much as so many people, oh, he's boring. Superman first issue, Action Comics number one, he stopped the war by throwing one of the generals about 10 miles away and asked the other one, did he stop? Sure. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, Batman is like dumping people and different things and saying it's a fitting end for his kind. So Exactly. I so, mean, so when the anti-hero has been around it's just that it's only thing they're doing now versus looking at the reflections of we all have had our anti-hero moment, lack of a better term. Sure. But now the characters are rewarded to behave that way full time. Well, and I, I guess so we should probably define our terms because I think that to some degree. All heroes, at least the ones that are would fall in under the category of a vigilante, they're operating slightly outside of the law. Um, they're all sort of anti-heroes because they would think of, you know, explicit heroes as, I guess, being soldiers. So, you know, outside of that, you, everybody's a bit of an anti-hero because they're a vigilante. And I think that that tendency towards being an anti-hero is there's a streak of that in every hero but some were far more explicit and i think you start getting that to some degree with the bronze age uh the bronze age from 1970 to 1985 that's when you get wolverine that's when you get the the denny o'neill and neil adams green lantern green arrow run um eventually uh from 1985 on that's when you get to real anti-heroes where wolverine really takes off uh watchmen and the dark knight returns um Lobo. 
Lobo. Lobo's in that period of time for DC. Uh, I think you get Sabretooth as a foil for Wolverine for sure. Uh, Punisher, even though he's a Bronze Age character, so he's in that period of time, 1970-1985, he didn't get really popular till 85 on. Because then that's when he started fighting Daredevil, and then that's when he got his own series. And um, yeah, then it was just like, yeah. And I, so what do you feel is behind? Because each we each society each period of time of humanity gets the hero that it deserves or wants or maybe doesn't want um and so in the golden age it was you know fighting for truth justice the american way particularly the uh, you know well later golden age later golden age early silver age was definitely truth justice in the american way i think um, right. I mean, so there was, the soldiers come home from World War II. Sure. And also, the soldiers there would support it during World War II. Sure. Yeah. And then the Silver Age, which is marked by sort of the the real break there, is with Flash, that showcase I- issue of the first uh, Barry Allen Flash, um, and all of the Marvel folks, which you got a little bit more personal drama particularly on the Marvel side, became a little yeah. bit more realistic. Um, yeah. Still fairly fantastic and still out there. But I feel like the Bronze Age is when you start getting the grittiest folks. That's when you get Luke Cage, you get Shang-Chi, you get, you know, a little tougher of a Captain America. Um, but by the time you get to the Iron Age or the Copper Age or some people call the modern age 1985 yeah that's when you get the anti-hero that's where you have batman saying you don't understand this is this 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 floor isn't a this is an operating table and i'm the surgeon <laughs> yeah you know breaking people's arms on purpose you know? yeah. Yeah. that's all-star batman that's not standard batman it's all sure yeah where he says i'm the gd batman I, I edited that just in case so that I decide that I don't want explicit content for this podcast. Yeah, where Ed, Frank Miller was, yeah, the all-star Batman was like, uh, of course, he's just cursing the entire time and doing terrible things. Um, so, oh, forgive my dog, ladies and gentlemen. He's obviously found something. Let's see. Maybe there's someone out there. Oh, yep, there is. So hold on one second. Let me deal with my dog. Welcome. All right. Sorry about that. Um, this period of time, people are getting motivated to leave the house. So there's dogs and all of the things. Um, what was I saying? Just you were um, talking about the anti-hero. You were talking anti-hero. about how. Uh, Marvel was they made them more down to earth, if you will. Sure, and and then the Bronze Age they they got started to get fairly gritty. So they now, the start... interesting thing about that is that sometimes when they do the antihero, they get full of themselves. I'm talking about the writers, like now the maker, you know, of Mister Fantastic, you know, making him evil is basically okay. Everybody's beneath him as far as his actions. Mm-hmm. And realistically, you have the anti-hero would be Doctor Doom, who just 
his only caveat is he wants to be respected as a leader. Sure. So. Sure. And I think that now I think the thing about the anti-hero that I would say that I'm somewhat concerned about is the fact that um, it the grim and gritty thing starts to become a bit cliche and it gets to be a bit tired just like i imagine every age the golden age got a little bit tiresome which is why you had the silver age the silver age got a bit tiresome so you had the bronze age and each one is an evolution in the storytelling but i feel like maybe the anti-hero thing has sort of become a bit more tired as well but it doesn't seem as though much is happening in the way of evolving it past that. It's much more like, well, maybe we'll go back and revisit these older tropes of, you know, Superman, you know, for instance, and being just a regular sort of hero. That's why all that sort of Tim Sale, uh, Jeff Loeb stories where they sort of revisited everything like the man Superman for all seasons. And I think they did Spider-Man blue and daredevil yellow and Hulk gray, where they just yes. went back to the silver age and retold those stories because we sort of painted ourselves into a corner. You've already done the golden age type style. You've already done the silver age type style. You've done the bronze age type style, but you can't completely revisit the bronze age because, you know, it's not all urban squalor anymore. <laughs> and so, you know, and then, so there's the anti-hero, the Deadpools, the Lobos, the Wolverines, and the Fausts, the <laughs> all of those guys. So now it's just people sort of revisiting sort of that Silver Age, Golden Age kind of attitude of, oh, let's just tell a sort of whimsical, fun story where it's not necessarily super dark and super gritty. Um so are we at the end of history when it comes to these things? Great choice of wording, because we're about to say Marvel has a lot of end stories that they've been doing in the last 10 years. You know, apocalyptic, the day of heroes. Sure. The heroes, the arrow heroes. Well, DC, on the other hand, has, they keep going further. You know, one reality, Supergirl is by herself and has no children, nothing. And she dies of old age because her powers start to diminish. You have another reality where she lives long and has children. Well, so, the I multiverse mean, has become much more important in the last, whatever this age is, the modern age, the, you know, I don't know, Iron Age, whatever we're calling it. Um, it's the multiverse is important because you've painted yourself into a corner in terms of what kind of stories you could tell. Oh, I totally agree. And that's what DC has done is they use, they say multiverse for all these different variants. But Marvel has made it quite clear that a lot of times and stuff, this is the way it's set at the moment. At the moment, then, of course, it becomes a multiverse. My issue is if you have any ability or power or influence that can go beyond you, mm -hmm. it can always be that you dread it or regret it. Because Marvel is notorious for that. Now, DC, they're notorious for... You know, everybody's beneath me. I'm a god, blah, blah, blah. But Marvel's the other end of, you know. That's true. I, it seems... I can't do anything with it or 
Sure, there's always angst. <laughs> the the exactly. Marvel the Marvel characters, the Silver Age brought in the angst because you know it was Daredevil. I I blind, but I have these superpowers. And Fantastic Four, you have the thing where it's like, uh, I'm this monster. I, you know, um, Spider Man, it's like, oh, I can't get a job. I can't keep a girlfriend, but I gotta save people because I feel guilty about Uncle Ben. Excuse right. me. And so yeah, that angsty piece is tough. We haven't entirely unearthed that part of the silver age because i think that silver each age has informed each consecutive next age the golden age informed the silver age the silver age informed the bronze age the bronze age informs the modern age or the iron age or the copper age or whatever you wish to call it um and so there's uh, as a point of realism, there's this need to say, okay, what's this guy's love life like? What's his job like? Um, you know, and arguably, probably because the average comic book fan is not a preteen. It's not a teenager. The average comic book fan is probably 30 or older. 20, I was going to say 20s. just lowest. Yeah, probably. Lowest. Yeah, probably <laughs> millennial and older. I mean, I'm sure there's some uh some characters and some you know i mean some readers not characters some readers that are uh that are uh younger but i think by and large uh comic books are still are have become an older fans game and because of that it's like that work life balance stories do make sense um but I think one of the reasons why there was a return to DC is because I think people did get sick of the angsty, you know, grim and gritty stuff that was happening with like Wolverine and the X-Men and, and, and Punisher. Well, I mean, because to me, to me about Marvel is as I go, got older, cause I've always been a DC fan, but as I got older, I actually like Marvel. But what I don't like about Marvel is three things. Best example is, yeah, I'm a Godzilla freak. But they have American Kaiju, which is basically a guy who could become a giant monster. Okay, okay, whatever. And his last battle was against one of the super symbionts of Venom. Mm -hmm. And it destroyed like half the town. He's like, well, I regret it. It's like, how many lives did you save? Because we would stop and say, how many lives we saved? Sure. We wouldn't sit there and go, I regret this. Well, and and I think that that's it depends like so much on the reader because you know they're really in the average superhero battle, um, which is one of the reasons why I kind of liked the story Damage. What was it? Damage Incorporated, I think it was. Uh, damage I, Control. Con, damage damage control. control. That's right. Damage Control. One of the reasons why I like Damage Control is, and I always wanted to write like a, 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 a comic book called like regular Joe's, which takes just one regular person and his or her view of some crazy event that everybody in, who reads comics knows about, what was their perspective? That's what was the brilliance of Marvels because it was that photojournalist while he was seeing the, the Silver Age Marvel Universe happening. He's like, yeah, Galactus is this huge dude. What would a regular human look like under that? And damage control was the same way. It's like in the average superhero fight, no less than a dozen people would lose their lives. I mean, you're throwing buildings around. You're throwing cars around. 
You're in the middle of a city. There's no way that people are getting through that unscathed. What would the insurance adjusters of a situation like that be? What kind of insurance can you carry in Metropolis? <laughs> it's like, well, well, you can. It, this is how much you get in the event that an alien comes to attack Superman. This is how much you get in the event that a car goes through your office. I mean, who's getting covered in these situations? Because I mean, you would really, in realist, realistic terms, and these are Silver Age to on Silver Age, Bronze Age, and on. Yeah, there's some collateral damage. There would have to be. That was one of the reasons why I thought it was Amazing Spider-Man 36. I don't know if you remember that issue. That was the 9-11 issue of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, yes, I remember by, that one. It was by Straczyn, uh, Straczynski, who used to write Babylon 5, I think. Um, right. He wrote an episode where you know, it was all these heroes reacting, and they had Dr. Doom crying and all this stuff. And I was like, come on. You guys have literally – Dr. Doom himself has destroyed that much property. <laughs> Well, see, that's the, the the point of that case was that it was, it was. I'm not going to say um, Doctor Octopus did it best. It was about five, six years ago. You know, a group of Spider-Man villains were going to destroy the world. They were just going to destroy the world, and Doctor Octopus saw that this plan would work. There's no way around it; it would work, and he found a way that he could stop it at the last percentile, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Last second, last percentile, like you know, last ninety to ninety-nine percent of success. Mm -hmm. And they were like, "Why the hell you do this?" And he's like, "Where we're going to go? What? Where are we going to go? Tell me where we're going to go, and I'll let it keep going." Sure. What do you do next? Is the the thing. Uh, it's very interesting how they've changed Doctor Octopus as a character. I mean, he was never a joke. But there have been periods when he was more of a joke and less of a joke. And I think some of the best Spider-Man writing of recent years was the superior Spider-Man when he took over Spider-Man's life. But he's a I smart agree. dude. He's a smart dude. I think Old Man Logan, again, this was the height of sort of the anti-hero grim and gritty stuff. When all the heroes end up fighting the... Uh, all the villains end up teaming up and fighting characters they don't normally fight. Like Mysterio gets spoilers. Mysterio, but it's this is a 20, 10, 10 year old property at this point. Uh, ends up, uh, can Mysterio, a Spider Man villain, ends up getting Wolverine, X Men, to attack all of the X Men because Mysterio can, you know, get them to to mask he can mask their scent and he can make them look different and you know wolverine kills all of the x-men and just goes nuts and that was it was a great story you know but it was bleak it was real real bleak i mean all of the heroes except a very few were left alive and I think that's the problem with the anti-hero thing is that, it, like Dr. Octopus is saying, where do you go from there? You know, I mean, there's only so many people you can continue to kill <laughs> or continue. Well, yeah, that's, to that's the same thing that when they had uh, the Marvel Spider-Man zombie, zombie Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, the Marvel somehow zombies. He, yeah, he somehow crossed over into another reality. Mm -hmm. And he proceeded to kill like three or four of the villains. 
And they're like, what happened? I mean, one of them was crying, literally crying. What happened? This is supposed to be a game. You know, we go to jail, we get back out. What the hell happened? And then the Sandman winds up killing that reality Spider-Man because he thinks it's the same person. Sure. Well, and... And but that's these these places that they're painting themselves in a corner. How can you what what other stories are you going to write aside from multiverse stories? Well, that's when you start they start saying the human story and all the other things. You know, I mean, the problem with and I've said this before is it's just like the Pantheon of the Gods. You know, you have stories of Zeus where he is a good father and a good husband and you have stories that he's nothing but there was a hole he would go. Sure. Okay. Sure. And I mean, it's like, I'll turn into a swan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll turn into, into a bull. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's the same thing. I mean, they have Hades be a good person, then they have Hades be evil. So, I mean, we're getting to the same point that the modern gods, our, our, our hobby, geekdom, and that even goes to Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah. Well, in Star Wars, Star Trek, you, 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 Captain Kirk loses in a space battle or loses against odds. We're going, what? What? The, no, whoa. You know, sure. Darth Vader had his butt fed to him by Yoda. What? What? Whoa. Wait, whoa. Well, and I think there's still a little bit of space <clears throat> in Star Wars and Star Trek, frankly. Both of them still have plenty of stories they can write. The limitation of superheroes is I it's the problem is is that within the container of superheroes there's only so many stories it's kind of like the guitar there's only so many chords how you right. play them how many notes you play them and what direction makes it unique and there's still a lot of places you can go but the guitar or you know music is the same way it's like well we've sped it up we've slowed it down we've distorted it we've made it clean you know we've made it choppy there's only so many places you can go with the chord structure and there's so only so many places you can go with the superhero paradigm it's like you can either make them all good you can make them sort of good <laughs> you can make them troubled you can make them not troubled um and so i guess it's like that's where i get to the point where it's like are we at the end of history because there's no where's the place that you can go that hasn't been gone in that superhero paradigm and i don't know that there's a place you can go i think you can just revisit platinum age dynamics or golden age dynamics or silver age dynamics or modern age dynamics but there's not you're there's not a lot within superheroes that hasn't been told which is why i think comic books like what image is doing where they're just doing different sci-fi fantasy sort of storylines that are completely different they're just fiction and there's plenty of space in fiction but when you narrow it to superhero fiction, you know, it's like, well, do you, you know, what can you do? Well, and you just said the answer, though. You did say the answer. Yeah. What was the answer? Yeah. <laughs> you said the answer because you associate with chords. What's the one form of music that there's no end to? I guess improvisation. Jazz. Yeah, jazz, improvisation. So yeah, you do the same thing. You do story jazz with the superheroes. Yeah. So yeah, story jazz. I think you can like maybe what the key might be is 
take kind of like old man logan take what a typical hero would or would not do in their pantheon and just flip it like what would happen if you just made a really psychedelic batman what would happen if you made a really gritty superman what like if made superman into a detective instead of like you know a god basically what would you do if you really made wonder woman a warrior a, a true soldier you know like and she's just like i'm gonna go through and i'm going to fix the middle east i mean what would you what would that look like you know i i think that jeff johns when he was writing the flash he did a really interesting thing with the flash but and which is why I kind of like I'm Barry Allen's not my Flash. Wally Wood's my Flash. You know, I thought he was doing some really interesting things with that character. Um, yeah. So what do you do with that? What if you make Captain America? They tried. Brubaker tried during the whole return of Bucky and the Winter Soldier. What if you make Captain America an actual spy? What if you really went there and wrote, you know, sort of Jean Lacar. Is it John Lacar is the spy novelist, yeah. I think? What if you wrote that kind of thing for Captain America? You know? What if you made Captain Marvel more like Green Lantern, where he's just traveling to different planets? I mean, you might have to switch the pantheons. You might have to switch it up a bit. Um, because I don't know. I, I, do we still need to have Peter Parker? Oh, with Peter Parker, just get him married. Have him have kids. Go the way that Batman and the Huntress and Catwoman, that whole, do that. You know, have him get married, have children, have his kids go through a thing. Well, the, the, they're already doing that part. But my thing is, in a way, certain characters, you know, I'm a scribbler, I'm not a writer. But mm -hmm. certain characters, there are certain things like Dr. Doom respects all of his counterparts. Sure. Well, Lex Luthor doesn't. Sure. So, in other words, it's very unlikely. It, it, like, uh, they did a story of Zod in the future, basically Manel being Zod's great-grandson and Superman's great-grandson. Okay. Because mm -hmm. their families got together. Mm -hmm. That's more realistic because there is a respect there. Sure. There is a care there versus Lex Luthor, which is just like, I lost. I got to come again. I lost. I got to come back. I'm going to keep coming back until I win. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, and they've done some interesting things with Lex, I think. I think there was this period of time for a long time where it was just like, ah, he made me bald. I'm mad. Um, but then they started to really make it. And I think this was really explored in All-Star Superman, which I thought was a brilliant series. That was one of the best series of uh, Superman in a long time. Um, where it was like, no, he's he's actually he would actually be sort of Superman if it wasn't for Superman. He would be the the brilliant industrialist inventor, Tony Stark type who's inventing things and curing things. But, you know, he's living constantly in Superman's shadow. And I think it would be much more interesting to take him and say, have him instead of trying to be president or try to, you know, destroy Superman in some way, why not really explore him going, screw it. I, I'm I'm tired of beating Superman. I'm tired of that being this dominant force in my life. What if I just become Mr. Fantastic? What if I just become, you know what I mean? 
what if I just do oh, that? Yeah. Or, or what if he just becomes Dr. Doom and has his own little town and makes their lives perfect? You know? Well, that's what they kind of did um, in the Titans. Even though Lex Luthor only appeared on the screen for basically five minutes, mm-hmm. the whole buildup of the story was he wasn't a standard villain. His father was a butt, you know, because it's like, well, my son's a better scientist than me. So they had that little angst between them. But Lex Luthor wasn't a good guy, bad guy. He just said, how come this guy is not affected by bullets? Mm-hmm. How come this guy can fly? Mm-hmm. How come this guy can lift a car? How come we can't? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was a different approach in that sense. Well, and I think that that's a much more interesting character. Rather than make him like, oh, you blew my hair off. <laughs> that was the Silver Age and I think Golden Age reason for Lex Luthor is that, you know, that Superboy blew off his hair at some point. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was the, that was the Silver Age in Superboy. The yeah. original Superman, it was just more of, it was ego, but it wasn't about hair. It was about brain should beat brawn. Sure. So he had the science should beat this godlike creature. And, you know, I, I think it would just would be much more interesting to have the Lex Luthor Superman dynamic be a Dr. Doom, Mr. Fantastic dynamic. I think that's far more interesting um, because especially the way they've changed Dr. Doom real recently, which is like he really is like, no, I'm I'm just as good as as. uh you know, Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. I just do it a different, a different way. And he's even Reed Richards' daughter, Valeria, is even super close to him. You know. Mm-hmm. So hold on one second. All right, I am back. Um, so lots of familial duties, but yeah, I mean, I think that would be a much more interesting kind of thing. Is you know, Mister Fantastic type. Doctor Doom relationship with Lex and Superman and Wonder Woman. They just need to give her a pantheon. They need to give her a, a rogues gallery. I mean, yeah, they do. Beyond they just, Cheetah, yeah, they just and haven't. Doctor Poison, yeah, they just really haven't done that. And I think just make her an explicit soldier, like have her get swallowed up somehow by the military industrial complex, and have her really question it, but you know, kick ass for a bit and then go, no, I'm actually fighting for industrialists in this war. I'm making war, the war machine more wealthy. I'm not really doing anything good because she is a warrior. So that should be, that seems like that would be the perfect thing angle to have her be part of, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing to a degree. It's like uh, Marvel should make, because a lot of their characters, as you say, mutants, but the other new thing now is the super serum, super soldier serum. Sure. As far as a lot of characters connected to that, even if it's like four or five other ingredients to the recipe, as the saying goes. Sure. And so... <laughs> I'm just saying, and that that's, that's not a bad thing, but again, if you're given this gift, whatever reason, it shouldn't be, like I said, with the inks. Everything shouldn't be the inks. It could be like, I would go the route of uh, the Invisible Man. Sure. And what I mean by that is the Invisible Man, they say, you know, the formula makes him mad. When the reality sure. is not the formula makes him mad, it's two things. If you're already disposed to the idea of being mad, yeah, you're going to be halfway there because you can't see yourself. Sure. And you can't have your body define you in some ways. 
Yeah, you don't have the conscience. That's the whole point is that without seeing yourself, does a man still have a conscience? Sure. And you think about it, if a person is Buddhist, which is self-reflecting, they probably could still do very good. Yeah, they could do some, they could just be the guardian angel that's, you know, blocking cars and, you know, had, catching cats out that fall out of trees or whatever. Well, so there is more room. There is more room for storytelling. There is a place to tell decent stories still. Right. So it doesn't you know, have to be all anti-hero, grim and gritty. Or at the very least, it doesn't have to be that kind of grim and gritty. Because I think the Wonder Woman story that I'm proposing, I think that would be gritty. Because, you know, at a certain point, you know, if you're a soldier, and that's what a warrior is, is just an ancient form of soldier, um, you're seeing some, you're going to have some PTSD there. You know, that you could have a, a moment where she's in a war and she just threw a tank through a building and there's a little kid there, you know, that's the collateral damage. You know, you could tell that kind of story with her. Um, well, yeah, that's nature versus nurture. Sure. And it's no. like she's just like, oh, my God. I And then that starts her on this reflection of maybe being a warrior in this regard isn't what I should be doing. Um, so you can look at that and you can, you can, I think people would be, would, would really, uh, would follow. I think Batman, you're tough. I don't know what you do with Batman because he has become the anti-hero for DC in a large, in large respects, I think, um, Dark Knight. Yeah. Because they kind of used Catwoman and and the Robins, his brothers, if you will. The Batman family. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying they kind of use it as a buffer. They prevent him from going uh, truly dark with his family. And I think the Bat family has been another really good addition to the lore with Batman. It's like really making Dick Grayson like, no, he's he's legit. He could be Batman if he wanted to. And he would probably be a better one in some respects. Um, yeah. And I think that's been... So I feel like Batman's not in stasis, but... You know, I think that it, it rather than go with the tropey, anti-hero, angsty stuff, just you know, really look at the character and say, what would what would that really look like? You know, some of these characters just need a good rogues gallery. Wonder Woman's classic example of that. You know, did you ever read Daredevil's Born Again? The Maz no, Kelly. It's really good. It was. Uh, Frank Miller and I think David Mazzucchelli was the art, and it was basically the Kingpin. Spoilers: They're going to do a, I think a, a television show of this storyline, Born Again. The Kingpin finds out his identity and just like a mafioso, blows up his life, just destroys his life. It's kind of his extended version of Killing Joke, which is I'm going to you know destroy this guy's life and see what happens. And it really was one of the best Daredevil stories really ever. They could certainly do something like that with some of the DC characters and have a sort of a born again situation where what happens if your your rogues gallery finds out your identity? What does it look like then? Well, that's kind of what they try to do with the top anti-hero, which is uh, Deadpool, which sure. basically make him make him totally, you know. Don't give a F because he has nobody. And I'm talking about in the comics versus the movies. 
Yeah. So by not having nobody, it doesn't matter to him what you do because he'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's places to explore without having it be stuck in this sort of gray area of the anti-hero. So anyway, yeah, there's that conversation. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no answers solved, but we have some ideas. So DC, Marvel, give Terrence and I a call. <laughs> we will perfect your universes completely. You don't have to continue to do these hard reboots of crises and secret wars. Just, you know, you don't have to. Just write decent stories. Write decent stories. That's all you got to do. Yeah. That's you all know? you do. Explode. And, 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 and try to be fair with your prices. That's the other thing. Yeah. Gosh, you know what really uh, uh, what got grind, grinds my gears is that digital comics were the same price as comic comics. You should actually get a deal for the digital version, I think. Either that or do it the other way. I mean, seriously, you want paper to still exist, so have a set price of five, period, no matter what. And then make digital be like 10, but you have it for so many years or whatever. Well, I just, I just, the thing that bugged me is I was like, man, if I'm going to get a digital comic, I'd rather have the hard copy anyway. You know, exactly. I was only wanting digital, but because I have to save on space, you know, there's only so many comic boxes you can have. I mean, at my peak, I had like, there is no such thing. Yeah. Right. At my peak, I had nearly 40 long boxes and that just, that was the garage. <laughs> you know, I, there is no such thing. I do not know you. Yeah, I, I had to let go of a bunch of that. Just well, both for financial reasons as well as space. But, um, but yeah, that's. Uh, I think that was a good discussion. I, I will have to think about like what age they want to call this uh, that, nineteen eighty five to two thousand. Because Iron Age, Copper Age, I don't know. I I feel like uh, Iron Age feels like that goes backwards. It's better to say Gold and Silver, Bronze, and then I don't know titanium oil foil <laughs> yeah foil age i mean I, I just it doesn't when you're going to the iron age i mean in history the iron age is before is the one of the earlier ages you know so it, it kind of defies the timeline it's like it should be well, they're something trying to do values they're trying to do values platinum gold silver yeah sure uh I I feel like plutonium age. <laughs> I don't know, but um. So where can people find you, Terrence? Where can Drakestorm they email? Storm at gmail dot com. You can find me at urbandharma eight at gmail dot com or that's so quantum at gmail dot com. Um, and so, yeah, give us your thoughts and opinions on these different uh, comic book ages and the role of the anti-hero. Is it too dominant? Is it uh, oppressive? Or are we seeing some motivations and movements in different areas? I think uh, it's probably a little of column A and a little of column B. Yep. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we like to sign off and say, uh, don't be a stranger. Just be strange. All right. Take care, everyone. I hope you're having a good new year and a safe one. And uh, we will talk to you soon.